Today's conversation, another fun one between my wife and I, started with the intention that we would talk about how to be creative in the time of COVID. We've created some fun and big things through the fog, mist, and clutter of our COVID-impacted thinking, but turned into something altogether different where we talk about the impact of this stressful year had on Andrea's health and the kind of thinking and work Andrea did to make a positive impact and take responsibility for her health. If you are not a woman, I recommend you get interested in women's health, and the same is true for women and women's health. (laughs) We spend a lot of time learning about what it's like to be another human being. Empathy is our most powerful tool. And if you're going to lead or teach or share in this world, learning how to take care of or at least empathize with half the human race is going to be really important. Our style specializes in older clients. The average age of our one-on-one lessons is probably 75. And so many of our solutions are solving the problem of what age and entropy do to the body. And today we talk about menopause, noticing and being responsible for things that aren't working in your body and your health. And when there's fan poop interactions at high velocity, how do you continue to live your life? How do you continue to create? All profoundly important questions, particularly in our time. Thank you for joining us and let's get this show started. Welcome to Hey Andrea. It's, it's where we talk, talk to Andrea. You know what those holes are? It's like holes. A hole, a hole, a hole, a hole, a hole. What are those holes for? You know? Are your ant holes? I mean, what else would that be? A perfectly cylindrical snake? What are you working on? What am I working on? I'm feeding the bird baths. This bird bath in particular, the raccoons seem to like. And so in the morning, I always find it tipped on its side, empty completely, or it's not tipped on its side. And there's a bunch of dirt in it with little paw prints, like scraping paw prints. It's very cute. One time I found a... (laughs) It was, I guess, the first time it had found... They had found this water supply. And I put these little mosquito dunks in there. And they had taken... It's like they took the dunk out like a donut. And they chomped on it, and it looked like they had were, just, were disgusted with it, and they threw it on the ground in little crumbles. It was half eaten. It's not very funny. It's a mosquito snack. A deadly mosquito snack. Oh, that's a truck. I was like, what kind of bird is that? You hear it? It's pretty squeaky. So you did some screaming. Yeah, and I'm gonna come back in a little bit, and I'll. There's, oh, there was a dead, there was a, a, a carcass of a cicada in there, and some turds, and lots of leaves. It's weird, there's so many leaves right now. It's because it's just hot, the leaves are falling off. You see the carcass? I've seen a couple of those. It's a cicada? Huh? You mean exoskeleton? Yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah, you got one on your leg. Oh, never mind, it's not. Oh, they're coming for you. You should get in the house, quit! It's an invasion, a mosquito invasion. Hurry, hurry. Dirty hands.
hand, <laughs> gonna wash my dirty hands. I find that if I don't sing what I'm doing while I'm doing it, I'll forget and do something else. My tactic. If someone didn't like it, it would be called a tacky tick. And if someone didn't like it and I couldn't stop doing it, or they couldn't stop liking it, it would be a tacky tick. Okay. I wonder if Bodhi gets it. Rubbing his nose. Okay, I'm off. All right. When I come back, we feed the birds. Birdseed, not toppins. Birdseed, not toppins. Because toppins they can't eat. language to hear our thoughts and feel our emotions and body sensations. It's nice. This is where, when you read yoga texts, this is where communication starts to fail. This is where, the way I would describe it, understanding starts to fail. When I, have, when I, I lack the language to describe the experience. And without it, we, we use stand-ins, metaphors. You know, it's nice, it can make you feel good, like, you can be moved by a metaphor. You can really think that you got something from a metaphor. The problem is, it doesn't replicate. Replicate meaning it's other, not. Other human beings. Like, not. as a teacher, I can't, it doesn't work. When I say Buddha belly, dive deep into your goddess Buddha belly, that actually might be a perfect sentence <laughs> slash command. That makes a huge difference for people. Okay, great. We've always asked, what is actually happening that is giving you the experience? And so the metaphor can like trigger an experience, but what is the experience? I relaxed my abdomen, or I took a deep breath, or for the first time my attention wasn't on how ugly I am, but it was on some other thing. Like, okay, well, that's the three suggestions I just made are in plain enough English that more people can get it. Mm-hmm. It's not the right way, but yeah. For context, we were talking to Larry Train, our, our buddy and teacher here, at Yoga Better Studios, and he's working with some hard cases, some people that he's, he's, he's volunteered to be in this position where he's training addicts and, and people for whom, you know, in this moment in their lives, he might not win. So what are the tools we have at our disposal? If you don't have language, it's... Makes everything cha- more challenging. Yeah, way more challenging. And then it's, especially when you're teaching smart people, if you don't have language, they're going to push back on you hard. Mm-hmm. So... And we love teaching smart people. Agreed. Not good-looking people, just smart people. Well, they could be both. If they're both, then they're acceptable. So I thought today we could talk about creating in the time of COVID. You and I have, I probably have somewhere between, I, I suspect we have about an average level of failure. We didn't have severe trauma. We didn't have anybody die. Mm-hmm. We did not personally get sick. We didn't lose our careers. Right, I'm not working at McDonald's just to pay rent. Like there are things that 
we are not dealing with that on the extreme, but we definitely are impacted. Our cognitive function, relationships, just how deep and pure is our happiness that has been impacted by this last year. Mm-hmm. And of course, just the options we have in life. We were, our, our finances, we're still in debt. We're still in debt from saving ourselves from that period. And although you and I can have this conversation and into really good mics and uh, create something beautiful and wonderful, it's not like we got off scot-free. Like we're not doing better than we were a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like some people, like some people's businesses, Amazon doing great. Apple doing great. Housing, building. Yeah. If you're, if you're in real estate, like uh, I, I've started training some of my real estate clients again and it's like, Hey, how's your business going? It's like, it's like they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. Like, little bears like hard to oh, say, but we're, we're doing great. Right. <laughs> I am not hurting for money right now. Okay. That's not us. Uh-uh. I'd be comfortable saying we're right in the middle. I guess, yeah. we, we had, we've had to solve problems, right? It hasn't been easy. And because we've solved problems, we actually have some good ideas, some good solutions. We have some good practice. We've if, if nothing else, not, you know, staying sane ish. Yeah. Not giving up a hundred percent. We never gave up completely. Well, so giving up is a state. Yeah, sure. Right. And so it's over when you give up. This last year has been everything you thought you knew is gone. Like if, if you thought things were going to be a certain way, mm-hmm. you, anything you thought would certainly go a certain way has, is to completely, you now know what's possible. How bad it can get. Yeah, how bad it can get. Many people are discovering that for sure. Yeah. Some people still haven't discovered it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's very true. But for us in particular, given uh, we're a yoga studio, it requires us to be, for the most part, in the same room. Um, We're asking people to breathe. mm -hmm. (laughs) And then as a human being, the tendency is to know stuff. You're up against something. You either have some idea of how the future is going to be. For me, it was like, knowing it's not going to turn out. That was a knowing at many different moments. I got to practice letting go of what I think I know. Yeah. Instead, living on, well, what about this? That's curiosity, right? Sure, yeah. So you went from knowing to curiosity. That's a yoga better practice right there. It is, absolutely. Can you give an example of a knowing that got broken? I find that most of my knowings, quote-unquote, are generalities, very general. It's not like a specific. No, no, but well, so that's the, that. Well, that's the thing about know-it-alls. Mm-hmm. Know-it-alls, we're all know-it-alls. <laughs> we all. That's, yes, that's from a, our little mountaintop. Mm-hmm. We always think we know everything, and this is the problem. When you think you know something, when you dig into it, you realize you don't know it. But what, what's happening is digging into it is getting into specifics. How we coach and what we just did with a conversation with Larry is that we went. When people bring things up, they bring it up in generality mm-hmm. so that they can have nice, clean rules. But hang on a second. Let's talk about the specific yeah. thing. So, yeah. So if I could say that it, saying it now feels absurd a little bit, like but, overly dramatic, but just little things are how are we going to have a home? Mm-hmm. We cannot. We, we go, we've gone from making money to making nothing. And it worked out that the entire world was in the same spot. So we sort of have all these little caveats and, oh, it's okay, this is okay. And we come all the way full circle. A year later, everything seemingly is getting better, but we're still in this little pocket of we're not there yet. Yes, people are coming in. Yes, we're starting to work more, but there's such a giant gap that hasn't been filled and it's really in the last couple months that it's been not clear to me how are we going to actually pay for stuff how do we pay for our rent no one's going to give us 
like here it's okay it's a coronavirus it's like no that's not you can't use that as an excuse anymore and so even something as simple like that mean thinking I know that I don't know where it's going to come from or that somehow we're going to end up we're not going to be on the street I'm not worried about that we have friends and family that will probably let us stay with them but but thinking that we're not going to have rent for example and then we do some stuff and it feels like magic like magically money just worked out it wasn't magic we Mm -hmm. had to do some stuff but watching that happen over and over again and it happened before but it was just so much more spread apart and Mm -hmm. this year was like month after month after month after month of not knowing it became normal in a new way so we we're pretty good at creating maybe i've always kind of been good at it but i was trying to think about kind of the difference between my children and myself or like you and me, particularly things like shopping. We didn't grow up like super poor, but there were periods in my teens when we were super poor. Dad got laid off when I was 13 and rent was a problem. And, but even before that, because both of my parents were poor growing up, dirt poor, like walking in the dirt barefoot poor, we always shopped at thrift stores. Mm -hmm. And so there's always this thrifty mentality you can create anything from less mentality. And which is, you know, if you think about personal growth workshops, it's, you can have it all. You can have it all. You can have a nice TV. You just have to find it used. Maybe look, <laughs> <laughs> poke around. You see it on the street. Like, <laughs> hey, it's because it's it nice hasn't TV. rained in a while, so it's probably just fine. <laughs> you know, it, and we never really did without. I operate pretty well in that space. I have to remind myself, and if I'm, I fail at being there, but I can, I have that as an option. The thing that I feel like was most missing this year, yes, there's a way we didn't do without, but the thing that I really did without this last year that I didn't have before, it wasn't a thing. It, was, it wasn't a thing to worry about, but just there's a loss of peace of mind. Well, uncertainty is... Sure. Ang- what is anxiety? Uncertainty, anxiety is about the future. Mm-hmm. And calm, peace, equanimity, certainty, trust, like all of that has to do with the future too. And so we are, we're coming from a hippie world where they're talking about climate change and like as all this stuff is hitting the fan, everybody's like, I told you so, kind of. But the truth is, no, you, you didn't know. None of us know the future. Uh, we could get hit by an asteroid tomorrow and it causes a global ice age, like <laughs> because right. of all the ash in the air. Like you don't know what's happening next year. We can extrapolate and trust, and, and that's the thing. Like Chase Bank would have you think that the only way to retire is to give them all of your money constantly so that they can hold on to it for a few years. And if you're really lucky, the stock market, through, through selling and selling other people in this idea, then we can build this thing called retirement. And so that as long as the economy is hunky-dory, which of course it will be because we know the future, uh, this is going to grow, and it only grows. That's the stock market. Well, that's a Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. It is 100. It only exists because people are willing to put more of their money in. That is 100 percent like the most crazy, unsustainable idea. We just get away with it, and so it makes sense to maybe, well, maybe I trust it, and then you get part of that. But that's not true. But we operate like it's true, mm-hmm. and it's so helpful for me to have had these experiences, like my father working his ass off for this company and getting laid off, and then literally taking every cent of every raise he ever got for the 30 some odd years he worked for in oil and put it into retirement and then in the 2008 crisis lose half of his retirement the value of his stocks and it's, it's like 
yeah, you can do everything right. And that's how it goes. You can do everything right. And then you realize you have cancer tomorrow and you, you are only alive one more week from the time you get diagnosed. And if all of those things are true, like if anything can go sideways at any moment, then how comfortable can you be in uncertainty? This is Buddhism. This is Zen mindset, acceptance, all this stuff. But if you're a monk, you don't have to deal with any of this shit. You don't have to pay rent. That's literally like the highlight of your, you don't even, it's like, what am I going to wear today? The only thing I own. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to eat today? Whatever anybody gives me. Right. <laughs> You've literally sidestepped this huge problem. And so for us in this practice, the question, and maybe one of the things we can talk about today with something like big paper thinking or creative thinking or those of things that we can talk about. Okay, how can we actually have this, this experience of ecstatic joy and connection to beauty and appreciation and love without any certainty about tomorrow. And I think this last year, this is the weird thing about this last year, started teaching Sunday mornings at Perlaya. And so, this, but I hadn't seen this guy since February, 2020 and I said, Hey man, how are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, yeah, well, how's your work? He's like, Oh, I got laid off the whole thing. But you got another job. Yeah, I got another job. And he was just pausing. He said, well, how are you doing? And the truth was, I could just say it. It's like that same sadness that's behind your eyes. I got that too, but we're good. <laughs> like we're, we're fucked up. Right. <laughs> we are, we are fucked up. And yet the other truth is almost every night since February, 2020, I've eaten dinner with my family and we got this precious year with my two oldest children, all four of us living in the same house. And I savored it. I basically didn't miss a year and I'm, I missed most of the last 10 years working. That's a choice. I don't regret that at all. And I would have been working had we not. And yet life says, all right, motherfucker, you ain't working. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, well, what am I going to, what am I going to put my attention on? This conversation we had with Larry about what are we even trying to do here? And that we're trying to get you to feel stuff. We start with having you feel your body, but if you can feel your body, it is the same attention. There isn't a, there isn't something different when you feel your emotions. Uh, raise your hand if you get dramatic in your head when you do quad burners or any kind of hard leg workout. I'm like, yeah, it's a crazy place of drama. Well, can you feel the sensation in your legs and hear the drama and just be present to the drama? Don't react to it. That's attention, and you can practice that. And so I'm experiencing that I'm fucked up. I am exhausted and overwhelmed and uncreative and tapped out, but I have this opportunity to look in my children's eyes and that's it. This is like, I don't, I was never promised this and I get to have it. Can I appreciate it? And for the most part I have, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things we do on this show is Andrew's obsessions. Like I have maintained all obsessions in the past. I would have said something like I can measure my sanity based on how many pictures of you I take. So I don't know if you know this, but my wife is this gorgeous human being in every way. I love all of you, but uh, the truth is if I could just take pictures of Andrea full-time, fuck you, I'm doing that. Like <laughs> That's all I would do. And what I notice is if I don't take pictures of my wife, I notice that's actually, I'm, I'm having a problem with my headspace. You, we all sort of need to find that thing. One other way of saying that is if I don't, if I'm not creating something, if I'm not taking some of my life units and challenging the plasticity of my brain, doing something that's hard for me, then I'm actually not doing yoga. My yoga practice isn't handstands right now. That's not hard for me. Handstands are not hard for me. Mm -hmm. I can do a hundred handstands. I can break a sweat, but it's not really hard for me. It's more like practicing my ABCs now as a 40 year old man. So what's hard for me? Well, 
okay, what if I really understand how prepositions work? Prepositions? <laughs> prepositions, <laughs> right? Well, right, so that's, think about what I'm doing with music. I'm learning piano as a 40-year-old. I played music at the top of the world. Like I played with some of the best, literally some of the best musicians who have ever lived ever. I'm at the highest levels you can possibly play music, and yet I didn't know how to play piano. And so it's like going back and learning my ABCs, which is hard if you've wung it your whole life mm -hmm. <laughs> not knowing something so simple. So for me, my obsessions are all about that challenge. But they're also if I'm if I'm engaging, if I put some of my time in the obsession every day, I know that. I'm healthier than I would have otherwise been. So the stuff I, some of the things I've listed, being foggy brained and yet still being creative, trusting yourself, uh, self-care through breathing and sleep. I know you do a lot of, you've always had trouble with your sleep. Okay, so what is yoga better? Yoga better is this thing where we quit trying to fix things like perfect, but work on things. Can they be better next year than they were last year? You keep the goal. Yeah. The goal is, is yes, if you want to be able to do handstand, awesome, but the it's handstand a, isn't the point. It's not a failure if you don't make it right. into handstand. Another way to say that is that we put a premium on collecting all the failures right. as quickly as possible, as safely as possible between now and when you are able to be in the handstand, if and when that happens. Yeah. Maybe a more nuanced way or cooler way to say it than I said it the first time is that we have targets and we have goals. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get better at archery. The target measures our ability to get better at archery. I want to get better at loving myself, where I want to get healthier. And so we have targets we shoot at. Handstands are a target, but the goal is health. Mm -hmm. And we're always clear about why. If we're talking to you in the front of the class or in a one-on-one -on -one or as a coach or whatever, our goal is never not clear for us, that we never get distracted. You cannot distract us from our goal of making that difference for you. And watching you, you did a lot of work this last pretty recently, a few months on your own health. Mm -hmm. It's been pretty obvious you've been going through menopause. It's been obvious. I mean, you're not supposed to be giving, you're not supposed to have 100 hot flashes a day. Yeah, but I mean. At I'm, 40. Yeah. It's not outside of the realm of normal, but it's not like normal to be expected if you're perfectly healthy. Right. It does make sense that a ridiculously stressed out human being <laughs> who's full of uncertainty and anxiety about all the uncertainty next year, uh, who doesn't know where rent is coming from, is going to have those issues. But to me, you did more research like you like you weren't just settling for that. Right. And well, and I just think that this is one of the things I wanted to say earlier. If we back up a little bit yeah. further, previous to the hot flashes. I think I've dealt with sciatica for a long time. I didn't realize it. And I connected the dot like a week ago that <laughs> back when I was pregnant with Bodie, my firstborn, I was dealing with sciatica. Yeah. I did not know what that was. I know my hips were bothering me, but I would just do some yoga and it would feel better. Fast forward however many years since then, maybe eight years, 10 years since then, um, I end up realizing I've got this pain in my hip. It feels, it feels deep in my hip. It feels like I can't quite get to it. Yeah. It's down the back of my leg. Had, had, had you just described your symptoms, you could have heard that it was sciatica? I could have. But for, when you're actually dealing with something from the inside, it's not always clear. Well, and there's also the fact that I know I can do some stuff. If my hip bothers me, I can do something about it, and then it kind of goes away. Yeah. And so doing yoga, you, it's easy to develop this identity or this idea. If you do yoga, you never have body pains. But that's not how life goes. You do yoga, yeah. and you will or you won't, and the goal isn't, to never have a pain or never have an issue is that you can catch it as soon as possible and you can do something about it. Right. 
getting sciatica was a big kind of slap in the face. I was incredulous. How? It's a slap in the butt, isn't it? I guess so. It's very thigh. inappropriate. It is. Sciatica. <laughs> sciatica. Ugh, that's, that's a... That's, what, that's when you go into the... Uh, you go upstairs to the you top You see all the house. work to do. You see all the work to do and yeah. you sigh in the attica. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was very similar with uh, this whole hot flash. I am young, I'm healthy, and yes, last year was stressful, but... Hot flashes and menopause, what? Just realizing that I'm doing the best that I can, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to get stressed out. That doesn't mean life isn't going to happen. And then the next question for me always is, okay, well, what are you going to do with that now knowledge you have? And so I recognize this thing that's happening with me. When we think about creative thinking, step number one to solving any problem, I always ask this in the teacher training, what's step one to solving any problem? And I love our courses. I love every course I teach. We teach smart people and smart, successful people who solve problems all day, every day. And even when I asked you this back in the day, no one has actually ever answered this. Everyone has lots of really great answers. <laughs> and they're all technically true, but they're not the first. They're all important. You, they're all things you need to do. You need to troubleshoot. You need to contextualize. You need coaching. You need... You need to systematize your understanding of it. You need like you need to do research. Like there, there is a there's an Amazon worth of self help books mm-hmm. out there for how to solve your problems. And not one person I've ever asked ever has answered this question. The first step to solving your problem is knowing that you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. The thing I love about that is that step isn't iterative. That step isn't a slight shift in your perspective. No, it's a state change. I don't have menopause. I have menopause. I don't have sciatica. Now I have sciatica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's literally going from zero to one. And the zero to one in landmark, they call it transformation. For me, there's always some kind of curiosity, some kind of nagging burr in the head that makes you. For me, it was just, there was some part of my hot flashes that it's like I, if I ignore it, I'm just going to look older faster. <laughs> it okay, is so vanity, a, fantastic. It's definitely vanity, for yeah. sure. And, you're, you know, you're thinking I gray hair. There's, sure, my hair, for sure. But then there's also, like, I want to be alive. Yeah. I don't want to die. <laughs> and <laughs> if I have menopause, not that I'm going to die necessarily, but if stuff is happening earlier than it's supposed to, yeah. if I, like... I have every intention to be around as long as I possibly can. And this is the thing we were talking about earlier, this whole certainty thing. I've had this conversation with our 11-year-old. And I also had it with a client of mine because she's dealing with some persistent foot and hand pain. Mm-hmm. And the under the sort of baseline is, but I do some yoga, it shouldn't be there. Or I'm right. real careful and it shouldn't be there. Or in the case of Bodhi, it's like I do everything right. And so then that's going to equal this result called I did it right. I don't have to worry about it. But you don't do the things you do. You can do it for a result, but the real thing is your experience along the way. And if I'm not doing everything I know to do for my body or for my health or for the house or my relationships, I'm the one who has to put my head on the pillow at night. And i got to sleep with myself, so to speak. And if it turns out that I have something like cancer and I'm going to die early. I want to at least know I did everything I could 
to push that away as, as far as way as I could, as yeah. long as possible. Right. That's the environment. Mm -hmm. And so, but there was a state change when you decided to go get some blood tests to get an assay for, okay, what the hell's going on with me? Like you did, you hadn't done anything and then you did some stuff. I just, it was literally, I was scared I was dying. Hmm. It was, I didn't. Okay, so we have vanity <laughs> and, and fear of death. That's fear, okay, pretty good. <laughs> much the, the way I work. <laughs> well, we haven't talked about shame and guilt yet, so that's. Can, well, the guilt was there too. Ah. Mm. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, it was also a motivator. We call that the Holy Triumvirate. That's the right. Holy Trinity. Yeah, there you go. I also, it's also this whole thing about like I'm a parent. Well, how would I want my kids to take care of their bodies? Think about, you know, how I was raised to take care of myself and then watching how in many ways my parents don't take care of themselves. There, it was, health was a big factor of it. Knowing how stressed if I stressed out I've been, I haven't been getting good sleep. Things are sleep, things aren't working the way they should. I was also having a really hard time getting things done. Right, you would grind and there, grinding was, is one thing with results, but you weren't getting results. It was not results, it was just like, at the end of the day, nothing got checked off and all I had was resentment to myself for right. all the things I didn't do. And so, so, yeah. Would you, I mean, I've been using this phrase, but would you describe that foggy brain? Empty brained? Like, mm -mm, it was not empty. As I would call it tornado came through a room. Sure. Disastrous. Messy, messy brain. Messy brain. Just, I don't even know. There's got to be a better word than messy. It's more dramatic than messy is for sure. Drama messy brain? Yes, incapable, just, just super distractible. Which is, I mean, this is... This is all the same. Prego brain, menopause brain, it's all like when you're fucked up, when your hormones are fucked up, like you are not a functional human being. Mm -hmm. And you knew, you like, could, like when you're pregnant, you... There's space for it. Yeah, there's space, 100%. There's space for it. You have decided, okay... All right, he's covered in hair, but he can be a dad, so I'm going to make a baby with this guy. It's like, you say, Ugh, I'll do it. Well, you hold your nose and you make a baby. And, but you chose that, yeah. mostly. And <laughs> you, or at least once you know, and you, okay, you change, I'm having a baby. And you have a baby, and no matter how bad every part of pregnancy is, you get a baby out of the deal. Yeah. And that, and you get out, you get out of the deal of menopause is death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, well, it's it's there's sort of a way maybe you can rationalize it because okay, I like having had babies and this is the price for having all this oh, baby yeah, making capacity like, like mm -hmm. self acceptance blah blah blah. But it's a container. There is a little bit of promise that mom brain will go away, mm -hmm. like a little bit. Nursing makes it worse, mm -hmm. but like they're not going to nurse forever. They're gonna at certain point they're gonna be 27 yeah, and stop nursing, uh, stop staying at home with you. They don't have to sleep in the same bed. Like there's finite experiences you know that there's a future but on the other end of that is more you more mm -hmm. life on the other end of menopause is what we see all of our older clients dealing with is this push-pull of certainty i don't have the 20 years to start something new and play with this thing i'm super excited about this podcast talking about death it's one of the more important conversations and, and getting clear on death is going to be super helpful for you as a teacher, as a leader, as a practitioner. We're helping people with life, lifespan, health span. Mm -hmm. But you're going to lose. We're all going to lose. And if you decide to teach yoga and you're going to teach hundreds of people a week, you're going to know people who die every year, all the time. Man, this has been a really intense conversation. You know what we need? What? I know what we need. What? Do you know what we need? No, I already said what?
Oh. We have some puns. A bleebity doobie booby wooby. It's pun time. I don't know that I told one. I told, my, actually my mom told one joke. What was her joke today? I said, if you happen to fall off of your block, we just, if you're standing, if you're balancing, you get off balance and you have to step off the block, we just call all those little failures chuckletunities. And then she said, well, that sounds pr- pretty fishy to me. And I was like, what the hell is she talking about? It took me a second. I was searching for the pun. Opportunity. Opportunity. What kind of musical performance? What kind of musical performance? Steeps a fish f- for you to imbibe. Steeps a fish for you to imbibe. Drinking, mm-hmm. I think. Steep. That sounds gross. <laughs> what is it? Opportunity. Opportunity. That's good. Opportunity. Nice. So many levels to that one. All right. What do you call it when two smart, chivalrous men are hanging out together? What? Cogent. You have to imagine the eyebrows going up and down. Yes. It's a part of the experience. <laughs> um, if after class somebody asks you to sketch the postures in the class from memory, some of you might draw a plank. <laughs> You're just not good at sketching or remembering. All right. What kind of aluminum musical instrument caught a cold? Aluminum musical instrument what? Highfalutin. The flute. You could say. <laughs> but you had said highfalutin in class. Oh, I said highfalutin. Or I could say a flute, you're right. But there's no tin. Or I could just say, what kind of musical instrument caught a cold? A flute. flute. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> we design, we work on it. We update. We, we update, that's right. We always work on stuff. I can tell one of your jokes. I what? don't think you told it yet. What is it? Uh, what's the spine's favorite category of music? What? Disco. <laughs> That's good. What kind of boat doubles as a cave under certain circumstances? What kind of boat doubles as a cave under certain, certain circumstances? What kind of boat? A caveat. Caveat. I like it. Did you know that uh, one of the best ways to get great a great six-pack is Renaissance stringed instruments? Absolutely. A lute. Okay, got it. Absolutely. Some people didn't get that illusion. Illusion. That's so bad. It it eluded you. It did elude <laughs> me. How did the picture end up in jail? What? How? Because it was framed. It's innocent. Okay. What did the ranch say when somebody opened the fridge? It's a lot of light. <laughs> it says, "Shut the door. I'm dressing." Oh, good. It was a ranchy joke. <laughs> Favorite part of class? Um, Backbends. And when you told us, I know you can all do the 20, and then I managed to do like nine, which I had only done like three or five or something like that before. <laughs> Thank you. My favorite part of class, oh, that moment where... <laughs> Were you laughing because I was stopping every other one and you yes. caught me? Yes. And you made like knowing eye contact. Uh, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite spots, parts. But I also love just balancing. Also the naps. For those of you just joining us, <laughs> <laughs> like me. my guest here is myself and my wife. And welcome to the Yoga Better Podcast. She was Thank not you. here. Now she's back. She's back. She was doing some handstands.
Okay, so I got my blood test, had my conversation with this lady, and it's a weird thing to trust somebody with your health like that. Yeah. Because... It's almost like what we ask every single student to do. Yeah. You don't know. You don't You don't know how it's going to turn out. I only trusted her because a friend of mine that I trust trusts her. And double trust. There was a double trust, but if it wasn't for Lizzie, I don't know that I would have trusted anyone. Thanks, Lizzie. Yes, thank you, Lizzie. Lizzie Nader. But Lizzie Lizardo. So and she was really great. She had she spent a, at least an hour on. I was waiting for fifteen minutes because that's how doctors have been on the pandemic. It's just fifteen minute phone calls. That's about max. We're on the phone. She walked me through a bunch of stuff. She gave me some medicine vitamin D and B12 and magnesium and some progesterone at night. My thyroid was a little off, so that in the morning and then some testosterone. I can tell you that the first week, I didn't realize this till hindsight, I got an email out. Yeah. That was so, a so big deal. So there was the email that went out. And then what I also noticed is that I was able to sleep better. Yeah. Go to sleep better. There was more joy like knowing, hopefully, if you're hearing this, you know that knowing doesn't make a difference. <laughs> Just hopefully you've learned that it's okay if you haven't. For most things that you don't do that you're supposed to do, you know you're supposed to do them, but knowing doesn't help you get it done. And there's all kinds of fun ways we can come up with to get around that. What's the, how would you say that? The roadblock? Rutabaga. <laughs> Rutabaga. Hold on a second, hold on a second. What kind of vegetable is sort of cool? Radish. Radish. (laughs) You can't beat that joke. uh -uh. Just like a broken drum. You can't beat it. Got the email sent, and that was, it was probably like a couple days later I realized that happened, and it was, I mean, it wasn't like the easiest thing I've ever done, but it was, it got done. That's the main thing. To me, it looked, okay, so there's, different ways you can have problems. If the analogy of your thinking or your productivity is like a river, Mm -hmm. the river can dry up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a problem. But it always seemed to me that you were damned. There's thinking and productivity, but it's all in a swirl and it can't get out. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, you're blocked. I mean, just little things like I've got a my toothbrush in my hand. This is not an actual example, but it's what I thought of as a toothbrush. And I know where my toothbrush goes, but instead of putting my toothbrush where it goes, I walk into the living room, finish brushing my teeth, and I just put my toothbrush on my desk <laughs> instead of going to put it in the bathroom where it goes. Just a bunch of little stuff like that, sort of like- it accumulates. Accumulates, like we have a workshop we do on stress, and basically, you hold one yoga block, it's not a big deal. You, you pile 30 yoga blocks and you try to hold them between your legs on top of your head and your arms, it becomes a real problem. And that's what it felt like. And you could say that I'm not able to hold them efficiently, I was damned in many ways, yeah. in more ways than one. Yeah, with an in and with a not. And since then, I would say the trend has continued. I feel more sane. Away from damned. Away from damned. And to me, the email, you just, you're doing the same amount of work and you mm-hmm. tend to grind, but like shit's getting done. It is. For you guys, we are super into stationary and pins and all <laughs> that stuff. Not moving. <laughs> We're super into not moving. Being stationary. Super stationary. Uh, it's our style of yoga. We actually don't move our mouse when we talk. 
I'm speaking out of my nostrils. (laughs) Actually, this is a computer. I I typed it with my brain because I can't move my eyes. Making lists is a big deal. What is a list? A list is getting all that shit that's in your head out of your head. If I'm coaching you and you're like, I... I'm so overwhelmed by all the things I have to do, blah, 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 that's what you sound like whenever you're complaining. I, not you. No. One. You. Who's listening to me? That's who I'm talking to. You. Because that's when you sound like blah, 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 And I make you list it. It's seven things. Yeah. It's only seven things. But the thing is, what I was noticing with Andrea, it's only seven things, but they are colliding. Seven cars trying to go through a single lane collides and now there's no efficiency now nothing gets through and you're damned by the seven things I and mean, on top of that i'm not very nice to myself in general yeah and that does not help when you walk back to that ta- your desk and you see the toothbrush you're shitty to yourself uh-huh. you're not nice about that you're like oh silly me i mean i kind of <laughs> might say that but it's, it's not that nice really <laughs> and just as an aside Andrea is always like, I wish we could be nice and happy and fun. And Andrew, you, the way you react to everything is very annoying. <laughs> I have my mom's temper and my dad's intensity. My mom can go from zero to 100,000 in a second. The last time I saw her do this was basically, I, I saw my entire life encapsulated in my childhood. She's sitting on a chair and uh, she turns the chair and it knocks over a can of Dr. Pepper and exactly 0.4 ounces pours out of the can. She goes, God damn it. <laughs> and she's like, and she, her entire body tenses up and her arms go up and she's like, Arr! and her face is an erectus. And that's like, yeah, that was me. That's a hundred percent me. And so I am really good at reacting like that. And I'm getting better at you know, being nice. So Andre's parents come over to her house today to pick up the kids. And I hear your dad ask, did you lock the car? Mm-hmm. And your mom was like, well, yeah, I thought I was being helpful. The only key, they were using the spare key, and the only key was in the car. And your mom manually locked the keys in the car. Oh, and, so, wow. <laughs> and she was, she kind of chuckled. She was, she laughed about it. Oh, well, like, and I, I know there's like an internal thing, but sure. she was, she just chuckled and started folding laundry with Caravaggio. And, and I did not experience, so, certainly not the, God damn it. And your dad to his credit, stayed outside to give his goddammits, but he also just, he didn't say anything even remotely mean to her. You know, that's a win for humanity right there. For a sure. guy was not 100% an asshole for any mistake and imperfection. He just went outside and I offered to help and I tried to help a little bit, but he ended up paying 130 bucks to this guy coming out. It was like, that was that. And sort of, you know, okay, a problem comes and you let it wash over you. You, If you cannot react to it and turn into seven cars colliding at the same time, mm-hmm. we might actually be able to let all seven cars go. You just have to solve seven problems one at a time. And then there's the next seven things. Which normally I feel like I'm pretty good at that. And I was really having a hard time. Really, really what I was. It, I was feeling pretty sad and disappointed a lot about just everything in general. Everything was hard. Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm glad we're talking about this with menopause and it could be something, right? It could, we're so good at transforming our interstate with conversation or a handstand or a hug, right? Or connecting, mm-hmm. doing anything else, interrupting that thing and it wasn't working for you. Mm-mm. No, it wasn't. I had a friend of mine, she is really, really good at... So if you have a problem, if you're dealing with something, it's even as as a... As a practitioner of yoga, as a teacher of yoga, it's real easy to make it okay. 
Right. And what, totally what's, the, what's the line between making something okay when it's not like, like not being a baby about it mm-hmm. to be, to give extremes, not being a baby about it and taking care of it right? and not ignoring it and being so tough that, yeah, you've got a problem because you ignored your, I mean, that's what most of us do. 10 years, yeah. you, all of a sudden it's like, this is the same. This is also true for gaining weight. You don't gain weight overnight. It's like a decade plus process. You don't get like when you get plantar older, fasciitis. plantar fasciitis, when you get older and the problem with being older, one of the big things is people People fall. Falling is a real issue. Balance. Well, you didn't get bad at balance just one night. It was years of ignoring your feet. Mm-hmm. You don't think about it. And so I had this conversation with her lo- once long ago. She was dealing with some health issues and she just basically made it great. Not not necessarily ignoring it, but acknowledging there was a problem. And then can, she. It's happy thinking. It's mm, positive thought. Positive thinking. That's exactly and yogis right. Yogis are. This is what this is one of the problems of, of positive thinking is that it's not a hundred percent clear, and then you end up putting a, a bandaid over a bullet wound. Yeah. A bandaid's not going to fix a bullet wound. You got to go do some other stuff for it. And what we do is so helpful is we step outside of positive, negative, good, bad. Like, do you want this in your life? Mm-hmm. No. Great. Well, let's go to work on it. <laughs> so I the state change I would say was going from. I'm not doing something, I'll be hard on myself and then I'll get the thing done. Between that and making everything great, it was, it was a persistent enough, it was oppressive enough on my life. I missed enough moments with my children. I was mad enough at you. Like just <laughs> for long a, enough. For long <laughs> enough, but it wasn't like a normal mad at you. It was like, it was deeper than that. I could right. tell that there was an intensity. Andre, that means it's truer. And you need to accept Maybe. and embrace your trueness. Maybe. That is something to be acknowledged. Like, okay, well, maybe it is your fault. It's 100% my fault. Maybe it's, it's the kid's fault. I mean, maybe it's the pandemic's fault. It's normally the dude's fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's that's fair enough to put as a, to pause it as a possible issue to deal with. For me, okay, I know that it is always a go to, just like ignoring it is always a go to, blaming it is too but I'm not doing that at least not right now in my life not to the degree to which I'm gonna let that be where I rest my morals is that laurels laurels my moral laurels yeah I just I got present to what I was attempting wasn't enough and I couldn't possibility my way out of it because the weird thing about it was the hot flashes I would have a stressful thought and that would elicit it so it's sort of it could you couldn't deny the connection there's a connection so that seems like it's my fault if i'm having a thought and i'm two years like 2016 2018 like you were you would deny that there was a thought we'd lie down and go to bed and one of the things andre is so reliable for is like hey let's talk about finances oh my gosh i can't help it it's how it's like (laughs) like, the second i lay my head down all the lists like the damn breaks And I'm flooded with all the things I didn't do. I call it my worry brain. It's impressively timed, always. And if I said anything, like, oh, I uh, had to buy a new hard drive. I mean, within 10 seconds, your shirt is off. You've turned the fan on. And it's, it's just so obvious. The connection became that it was your fault. Conspicuous that it was not just <laughs> my fault, not just my fault, uh, but that it's in your head. Like your head is well, triggering this real physical thing. But it wasn't in my head though. There's stuff I was dealing with, and that's what with the com- to me the interesting thing is that there is a degree to which that's true and not true. And so how do you figure it out? Sorry about that. It's, it's a physiological thing you're actually dealing with that is so 
if you think about allergies, my um, my family, I have the whatever it is, the gene or the inheritance, where my father and my sister are super allergic to garlic, black pepper, onions, and wheat. And when we were growing up, like if my dad had garlic, black pepper, onions, or wheat, we wouldn't know it because his ears would be red, his face would be red, and he would l- pretty much look like he was on heroin. <laughs> and then mom know. would have to dry home, and he would just chuckle and basically like shit-faced drunk looking. When I was 235 as a, you know, whatever, 20-year-old, 19-year-old, I noticed that I was having that. I would have to take a nap after if I ate anything with onions in it. And when I dropped to 165 and did a bunch of fasting and became a vegetarian and all this other stuff, what I noticed is I could eat wheat, onions, black pepper, and garlic and feel perfectly fine. What most people then conclude is like, oh, I'm cured. But no. What if you sort of imagine I have a, a glass, it's full of water. If I add any water to that, it's going to overflow. But what if I have a glass and it's only 10% filled with water? Well, I can. I have a 90% bandwidth now of capacity for this glass. And what I had been doing at 235, wearing a 40-inch size waist pair of pants, was I, as at 5'11", is constantly filling up my glass maxing out my my immune system's ability to deal with what I was eating with. I was always maxed out. And so it, if I ate something that required 10 or 15% of my immune system, I would crash. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I'm dealing, if I'm at 5 or even 20% infl- inflammation or irritation or I got a bad night's sleep or I got a bug in my system, I got all that bandwidth. I eat onion. It's so below the threshold of even knowing my body can handle it no problem. That's mm-hmm. what bodies are good for. It's not that it's in your head, it, that it took nothing to send you physiologically off the cliff. That's so crazy. And whereas before, you know, you'd be stressed out. Sometimes you was, this, this, this trigger thought was obvious, but it was sort of less, mm-hmm. you could handle so much more then. And to me, the threshold you crossed was like, instead of I'm like fucked up some of the time, I'm, I feel okay some of the time and I'm fucked up most of the time. Yeah, that is <laughs> If you're feeling that way, get an assay. You know, get some blood work done. How much did you think you paid for that total? I was... The blood test was a couple hundred bucks. $200. The, uh, the doctor's, doctor's visit. was around $200. And then two months, probably okay. about 500 bucks. 500 bucks. So we're looking at 900 1500 bucks. Depends on where you live. Like telemedicine. I'm, I don't give medical advice, but like... And, and the thing is, so often, perspective and uh, Andrea's talking about possibility. Like remembering that you are powerful you have agency like your whole life that worked for you and then until you ran into a thing it didn't work mm-hmm. and then maybe but the nice thing was that i was able to recognize it wasn't working i, I gave it my best shot yeah i gave it my best shot what if i ate cookies every day you tried that and it didn't I work i did try that it doesn't <laughs> work and it turns out thankfully i have had the experiences i've had i have had the conversations i've had in my life where I could recognize what I had been doing wasn't working and then maybe something else. And something else may not have worked. And then I would have yeah. gone to the next thing and I think... That's a cognitive bias we often... You forget all the failed solutions. You stopped when you found the solution. It wasn't some universal and I, cosmic I, thing. Like, had it not worked, you would have kept going. And, and we s- always stop when we find the solution. We do. <laughs> and I'm not, to me, with this kind of stuff, it's not like a your end... I'm, I'm done. It's something yeah, that I'm always, I always get to be aware of as long as I've got a body because just like when I, when I do my practice, why I care about this stuff is I want my body to function as best as possible. If I'm ignoring my feet, if I'm ignoring my neck, it's going to get worse almost certainly. 
And um, so the other thing that I notice, or I just want to say, if you're having a hard time right now, this is with or without the pandemic. And I think this might tie into what we talked about in the beginning. I try not to go with the first thing I think, especially if I am having strong emotions, even if I feel certain as to what the source of those emotions are. You're pointing at me. <laughs> I mean, you are right. What the friend. source of that emotions are. Even if you're sure of that, I mean, it passes the intensity with which you're dealing with stuff, especially if you feel like there's no way out. Feeling certain we weren't going to make it as global of a statement that was. But there's a part of me that I know that we'll figure out something. Figure it out. Figure it out. We always have. There's historical precedent, but that, again, doesn't, that's another bias. We don't know. We don't know. But certainly life is more fun. <laughs> if you know you're going to make it, even if you don't. It's just so weird to say, like, oh, I know I'm going to make it. No, you ain't, girl, <laughs> when I'm going that way. But still, you know, yeah. it's a little dance. Dance, dance. They call him says, give him time to be best. He'll always learn something new. He puts the two into for most of us, life this last year was hard because really any interruption to the way we live life is hard. Humans are pattern-seeking, safety-creating animals. And any thing that makes it harder to know how safe tomorrow will be for us is going to be a stress-inducing thing. I first saw Bo Burnham on YouTube circa 2008, and like so many others, all from home. Since then, I've seen and shared every major thing that he has done. This was at the dawn of the golden age of learning we are currently in. I have learned more in my adulthood than I could have ever possibly learned before high-speed internet. I was a proven failure at self-generating the discipline to learn in a time when I would have to go to, well, anywhere. Library, university, consult with an expert outside of my own head, develop a relationship? No. Uh, but the internet. I'm by myself, I have a question, and I can find 47 or 47 million different perspectives with the best sources being shaken algorithmically to the top. I have taught myself an embarrassing percentage of almost everything I know from the bosom of the internet archives. From Argentine tango, tie-dyeing, woodworking, every conceivable movement discipline, website building and design, better writing, better editing, finance, entrepreneurialism. It kind of would be fun to maybe one day like list it all out like a tree. <laughs> like a tree! All of that learning, all of it, done while sitting like I am now at a desk with headphones on inside. I knew of Bo Burnham's exit of live performance, so when I saw in late May this year that he had a new special on Netflix, I lay myself and my wife on the living room floor within five minutes of seeing it was available and devoured it. For those of you that don't yet know the comedy poetry special, the premise is simple. Create a one-man show in a one-man room with a single camera. He wrote and performed the music, set up and shot and edited all of the videos, and all of the set design and grip, and created a masterpiece of our time. A piece of art so true to the experience of our times, I wept and started at its power. Truly, I was struck. I tend to, as made plain above, do things on my own, and watching his opus, an invisible limit on what exactly I could create alone, was lifted. This very podcast, something I have worked on yet failed to launch since 2019, is a direct result of watching him create. I finally committed to learn to play the piano, to play one of his songs, piano being one of the big three skills I'm avoiding that remains still left to dive my obsessions into. 
The final ones being swimming and math. Try to be funny and stuck in your room. There isn't much more to say about it. Can one be funny and stuck in a room? Stay in trying to get something out of it. Try making faces. Try telling jokes, making silly sounds. Oh, when I was a kid, I was stuck in my room. There isn't much more to say about it when you're a kid and you're stuck in your room. Shit to get out of it Try making faces Try telling jokes Making silly sounds Well, well Look who's inside again Went out to look for a reason to hide again Well, well Buddy, you found it Now come out Now come out with your hands up, we've got you surrounded. So many of us are stuck in our rooms, not knowing our neighbors, living a simpler, cheaper version of Huxley's Brave New World. The result is we create nothing, we leave nothing. The world does not need another podcast, nor does it need another song, nor does it need another TV show, and yet... Sometimes when these things are made, we can be uplifted, or better, given meaning to a moment. The truth is, nothing actually matters. Yet, so many small things that are created and shared impact and shape us, and for that I am both grateful and fueled to offer my humble addition to all the beautiful and terrible noise. Thank you, Bo Burnham. During a worldwide tragedy, you let this comedy outside and answered your own question. One can be funny, or brilliant, or inspiring, or moving, while stuck in a room. This podcast was produced in Houston, Texas, by the world-renowned Sarah Bellum and myself, Andrew Dukoff.